So you're saying that the imprecatory prayers also speak of Jesus? Yes. I think they do. Good morning to you all. It's morning here in northern Alberta, here on the Chinook Podcast. My name is Jamie Souls. I'm here together with Brad Donovan and with Pastor Nathan Zeckveld. Uh, we are delighted to uh, bring this podcast to you. It is our desire that the Holy Spirit move in Western Canada. And thus we've named our, our podcast the Chinook Podcast. A Chinook being a wind that periodically breaks up the frozen winter of the north and thaws things out, and it's certainly our desire that he would do such thawing in the lives of our frozen neighbors. Yes, the frozen and, chosen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the frozen wandering far. Right. Right. Well, today, uh, I, I'm going to start with a, a consideration of the Psalms. Uh, We've done episodes before where we talked about singing the Psalms. Uh, And one of the things that when you are new to that practice, one of the things that arises uh, that one of the places at which your songs start bumping into your theology (laughs) is when when you start singing when you start singing the Psalms, you'll discover that you're singing things that you have never sung before in your life. Indeed. Okay? Because there's all kinds of content in the Psalms that it's, it's missing from hymnody. It's missing right. from, oh, bless you. Uh, from chorus Songs. It's missing from scripture songs. So what you're saying is that Hillsong never calls down God's wrath on anyone. <laughs> I haven't ever heard that song. <laughs> uh, have you? No. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Does Does Hillsong even recognize that God has uh, attributes of holiness and and wrath and justice? And I'm not wrath. sure. <laughs> but the Psalter, the one that we have in our Bible, yes, the one that we have in our Bible is loaded with well, such things that and. One of the things that we are going to pay attention to in particular today are all those parts that, that you feel uncomfortable singing. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a, there's a section of the Psalms, well, it's not just, uh, not just geographical in the Psalms, but there are parts of a whole bunch of the Psalms that are given over to what we, what, what we uh, title as imprecation. Yes. Imprecatory Psalms. What's an imprecatory psalm? So yeah, what is what is imprecation? So imprecation is calling down God's judgment upon the wicked, in particular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, that would be um, like Psalm three: "Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek; you break the teeth of the wicked." Yes. Ah, right. So God, the dentist. God, the <laughs> dentist. <laughs> Particularly a dentist that removes teeth. <laughs> Quite. So the, um, At least under this heading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in Psalm 3. All right, so we've, uh, we've got these imprecations. So we, uh, we find ourselves, like you said, bumping into these uncomfortable things. Right. 
And let, maybe it might be good to start with what makes us uncomfortable mm. about singing an imprecatory psalm like, as you said, uh, God breaking the teeth of the wicked. Mm-hmm. What makes us uncomfortable about that? Well, from my own uh, kind of experience, I would say it's probably a lot to do with the uh, the fact that growing up in the churches that I grew up in, yeah. the the judgment of God was not a thing that we wanted to talk about. Mm. Uh, so uh, the final judgment or even the... Um, the idea that God still works to judge nations or peoples, we just didn't want to talk about it. And I, w- I wonder why that is. Maybe there's a historical reason. I'm not entirely sure, but right. we didn't want to talk about it. Right. Well, I, I know that it, when, you're, uh, when, when you've got your method of reaching people mm. and your method of reaching people is right. uh, it's all... It's all kindness. Right. You no, know, it does say in the scripture when, when Paul is, is talking about uh, repentance, he says it's your kindness that leads us to repentance, he says. Which is true. And, and, and so, uh, so we, get, we, we get the idea in our minds that kindness is the, uh, the, only, thing. Is the only thing. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think I think that kind of thing has happened. Uh, there's there's the idea, also, <clears throat> another biblical idea, that God does not want you, oh Christian, to take your own vengeance. Right. Right. So, uh, I I I kind of question the theological underpinning of that as applied to the Psalms. Yes. Because, because if if David was if David was just venting when he said, "Break their teeth in their mouths, O mm-hmm. God," right? If he, if he was speaking out of the rage of his heart, mm-hmm. uh, that would be understandable. But that's not how the Scripture presents what David wrote. Yeah. Yeah, it would be odd if the uh, the Holy Spirit inspired David to speak out of the rage of his mouth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know that the wrath of uh, man that does would not be a bit odd. Righteousness of God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I th- I think part of our discomfort with the imprecations in the Psalms uh, just simply arises from the fact that I would rather have my sin than not. Okay. And and well, if I call down well, if I call down God's uh, wrath on the evildoer. Mm-hmm. Let's let's say I'm singing the psalms in church as yeah. as a man ought to do. Yeah, and you know you come across a line like you know ripping out the teeth, um, or or even uh, for there is no uh, Psalm five for there is no truth in their mouth speaking of the wicked. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Okay, so I'm singing that. Yes, as as a man ought. And um, you're singing that as a sinner, as a sinner. And I've <laughs> decided I'm not repenting of my sin. Mm-hmm. Now I have become the subject that I am calling God's wrath down upon. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> and this should be terrifying. So be a quick repenter. Yes. Yes. And, and, and a seldom sinner. But um, yeah, I suppose then, then that would be a really good reflection mm-hmm. on, on these sorts of well, psalms. 
And for me, that that is certainly the case. When we sing imprecatory psalms, right. I'm always, I, I have that in mind. Right. Because I'm calling God to his judgment on me if I refuse repentance. Yes. And so... Th- you, I think that that's that's the more appropriate way to approach it than to just, you know, rather than just refusing. <laughs> hey, Lachlan. Oh, by the way, we have a young uh, one and a half year old co-host. Yeah, so my son isn't here. So if you're hearing squawking and sneezing, that's him. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's not Brad. That's, that's not Brad. Well, I do squawk from time to time and have been known to sneeze, but uh, <laughs> but the um, I think the appropriate uh, the appropriate individual response to an imprecatory psalm. Is is repentance so that I can call down God's judgment and do so apart from a place of personal fear, right? I I think it's interesting with that point of uh, personal repentance. Uh, sorry, with that point of personal repentance, there's a um, there's a psalm, Psalm seven, hmm. where David says, "Vindicate me, O God, according to my righteousness, uh, according to the uh, righteousness cleanness of my hands." Uh, the cleanness in, in of Psalm my hands. Psalm eighteen, that that stuff is going on a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in in Psalm seven, he also says that, and then towards the end of the psalm, he continues and says, "If I have done any wrong, yes. then O Lord, uh, I know that your sword is wetted, and mm-hmm. you're going to take out your sword against me." Yep. So he very clearly connects the wickedness in others to the wickedness in himself. Right. And he seems very self-aware and self-conscious of what he's saying. Yeah, David certainly is. And, I mean, you even have Psalm 50 where David, he's repenting over his sin with Bathsheba. Right, 51. Or yeah. 51, sorry. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's very self-aware. Yeah. So the imprecatory Psalms, from, from the perspective of a personal piety or devotion, should cause us... Uh, should drive us towards repentance, mm-hmm. um, and if and I, I one of the the things I, I I can't prove it in print, but I kind of intuitively grasp this. One of the reasons why we don't sing the psalms is because we don't want to repent. That's yeah. that's that's what's going. Uh, mm-hmm. Too much talk about sin. Too much. Yeah, far too much talk about sin. It's not cathartic. Uh, Jesus loves me all the time, right? Oh, right. <laughs> you know, it's not. It's not even particularly. I uh, always talking about sin in the psalm. You know, I, I've noticed that. I've noticed that because I've been mm. picking songs for worship for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the features in our service is the, is that we that we uh, I we have this prayer where we pray that, uh, you know, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. Mm-hmm. And uh, trying to find a psalm that matches that, there are, there are a few mm-hmm. that match it. There's a whole lot more psalms in the Psalter that are complaining about enemies attacking. Yes. There's, there's way more of that. Which is funny because uh-huh. do not enemies attack? Well, well yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Um, yeah, there are there are a great many times where the psalmist is is crying out to God for deliverance from enemies, mm-hmm. where he's he doesn't he doesn't pin his problems on his own sin, mm-hmm. where he yeah. pins the <clears throat> the trouble that he's facing. On 
outside influences. Mm-hmm. And is asking God to act. And he's asking God to act on behalf on his behalf yes. against these outside influences. And there it almost always comes in the form of people. Yes. Who will stand up and back me when wicked men attack me? Yeah. I, I didn't get the exact lyrics. I, yeah. But. Well, it was very close. In <laughs> Psalm 94. Yeah, 94. You got Psalm 9. Uh, the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold <clears throat> in times of trouble. Mm-hmm. Right? And then uh, for... He, uh, for he avenges. For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Yeah, <laughs> that that's the God you worship, yes. O Christian man. Yes, and that kind of stuff is all over the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint, and I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression yes. of the wicked. That kind of thing is all over the place in the Psalms. Mm-hmm. And so, so the psalmist teaches us to think that way. Yes. So, so when, we, when, we sing, when we sing the Psalms and we believe what we're singing, mm-hmm. we begin to realize that there really are oppressors Galore yes. that need to be taken down, and that's what a lot of these songs are for. Yep, and it's uh, it's personal oppressors. He talks about people who who open the mouth and wag the tongue. Yeah, right. Yeah, people who are slandering you. He talks about nations, right? Yeah. Uh, Psalm nine again. The nations have sunk in the pit they have made. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the wicked are snared in the works of their own hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wicked shall return to Sheol. All the nations that forget God. Right. Yeah. It, You've got this uh, this this idea that the uh, the big you know the big nation that oppresses mm-hmm. is uh, going the way of the world. It is going to shale to mm-hmm. the place of death. But the Lord uh, does not forget the needy, the oppressed, and the downtrodden. Right now, when we uh, when we had our little COVID thing, yes. This was marvelously comfortable. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were there were Sundays uh, where we were singing some psalm or other, uh, and I had been watching the news all week mm-hmm. and uh, finding ways to evade the various regulatory and enforcement bodies, right? <laughs> <laughs> just to try and get by. And then uh, then we come into into God's presence and we sing something like this. Yeah, marvelously comfortable. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were we were told again and again and again by Christian people mm-hmm. not to regard what we were going through as persecution. Hmm. Remember that? Yep, I remember that. Yeah. <clears throat> there, there were that. when we would speak against it, we'd get we'd get uh, Christian folk coming at us, telling us to stop whining. We weren't being persecuted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and <laughs> you know, the apostolic bar for persecution is mockery. Yes. So uh, yes. anything above that is, is legitimate persecution. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that shows up uh, a lot. Yes. I do go to the scriptures, oh, Christian, to discern what <laughs> constitutes uh, 
Okay, funny story. And not. Funny, and, funny yeah. story. Last night I was talking with my two oldest daughters, and we were talking about some other topic, but one of the things that came out in the discussion is that when you come to the Scriptures, you do not come as a judge to the Scriptures, but the Scriptures come as a judge to you. Right. And it's the same thing with defining persecution. Yes. I don't get to define that. Yes. The per- persecution is not defined by the worst thing that you can think of. Yep. No, exactly. That, that is not the standard for what constitutes persecution. <laughs> The scriptures teach us what constitutes it, and many times it has to do with the words of the enemy, the taunts, yes. the the oppression, mm-hmm. a, a whole lot of that kind of stuff is uh, that that constitutes mm-hmm. uh, yeah. oppression. Yeah. So there's different kinds of persecution in scripture. There's varying degrees of persecution. Yeah. But. Um, it, yeah, it's it's interesting how often you see uh, <clears throat> imprecations upon those who taunt and mock the faithful ones of God. Like yeah. you look at Balaam yeah. in the in the Old Testament, right? Um, God judges people who mock His faithful ones. So then, it's important for Christians to be very very careful once we start mocking each other, especially mm-hmm. when it's for faithfulness. Yeah. Yeah, because then you've stepped into the position of the evildoer upon yes. whom God's wrath rightly rests. Yeah. Which, mm-hmm. that's a terrifying spot. Uh, I, zero out of ten do not recommend. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Agreed. <laughs> Here's a psalm that we, uh, that we have a song for and that our congregation sings strongly. Uh, I need to get this one into the... Service again soon. Psalm 58. Do you indeed decree what is right, you gods? Do you judge the children of man uprightly? No. In your hearts you devise wrongs. Your hands deal out violence on the earth. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. They have venom like the venom of a serpent, like the deaf adder that stops its ear so that it does not hear the voice of the charmer or the of the cunning enchanter. Mm. Oh God, break the teeth in their mouths. Tear out the fangs of the young lions, O oh Lord. Let them vanish like water that runs away. When he aims his arrows, let them be blunted. Let them be like the snail that dissolves into slime, like the stillborn child who never sees the sun. Sooner than your pots can feel the heat of thorns, whether green or ablaze, may he sweep them away. The righteous will rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He will bathe his feet in the blood of the wicked. Mankind will say, surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely there is a God who judges on earth. Notice how the, God's reputation mm-hmm. is tied up with his... Uh, his justice being executed on evildoers, mm-hmm. and and we're supposed to look at that and go, ah, ah, that's good. That was that's that was very well done. Yes. Good job. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, God's judgment on the wicked should uh, bring us to songs of praise to God. The Lord has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. Yeah, and that's uh, Moses. And <laughs> Miriam God right loves there. them like he loves you. How can you say that? <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> but I also give praise to God when he saves somebody like Saul. Yes, yep. that's true too. Instead of destroying him. Well, and, and that is even a form of destruction because Saul was no longer who he was. 
He destroyed the wicked Saul. Yeah, and then conversion. Exactly. So, and that and that's another thing too is that there's two, generally two types of destruction. There's the destruction uh, to to death, and then there's the destruction where the man is remade. Yeah, yeah. where the man is remade into into something that is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we call this conversion. Destruction. Yes, <laughs> conversion. And th- this is uh, this is a thing that happens. The death of the old man. Yep. So the um, I think I think another another problem uh, that we run into is just antinomianism. Mm-hmm. We don't believe in justice because we don't agree with David the, when he says the law of the Lord is perfect. Right. Antinomianism yeah. is is anti law. law. Yeah. It's against the law of God. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in like Psalm nineteen, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Mm-hmm. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So we don't believe that. No. And, and which then why would we want why would we want a judgment if the law wasn't yeah. pure? Well, it's it's interesting to see the whole social justice movement and woke movement in light of the rejection of the imprecatory psalms and imprecatory mm. prayers, because the whole social justice movement is trying to impose a standard of justice in an mm. unjust society. That's not God's standard of justice. Right. So when God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, he's basically warning against the rage of the woke mob. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, at the same time, uh, there is there is a standard where calling out to God, actually do repay mm-hmm. and repay the wicked according to your standard. Yeah. And so it kind of sets a course corrective for all the, the weird extremes in our society. <laughs> well, in that that's true. One of the things that uh, that's notable about woke fury is that it's uh, unlimited, unbounded rage. Yeah, there's no there's no limit placed on it by law. You notice that the the goalposts have constantly shifted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that which was uh, revolutionary and acceptable today will not be tomorrow acceptable. We, we, what was good three days ago, we have to repent of today. Yeah. And there's no forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the imprecatory <laughs> prayers, God's law and his word and his standard is the imposed boundaries upon our rage. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and I mean, even, even in Psalm 19, the fear of the Lord is clean. Right? There, there's, it's, it's clean and it's pure. It's upright. It's good for you uh, to yeah. fear God. Yes, that that law is the standard everywhere. Yes, you know it, it's the standard in the new covenant as well. Mm-hmm. It's yes. it's intended to be. You know when when God, you know we we heard a lot in the last three years about Romans thirteen. We had a flag, <laughs> practically speaking, waved in our faces when we would say, "No, the churches need to stay open," and people would say, "Romans thirteen, you're supposed to obey the authorities." They they said that well. God does say mm-hmm. that you're supposed to obey yep. God. And why are you supposed to obey God? Because he is God's minister. Mm-hmm. He's the one who holds the sword. Yep. He carries Performs. out God's wrath. Whose wrath? God's wrath. God's wrath. Yep. Not his own. Not, not man's wrath. How, how do we understand what it is that God wants a magistrate to defend? Mm-hmm. How do we understand that? Yeah, do we just make it up? Do we, yeah, is that just whatever culture thinks is a bad thing? Well, no. God expects the magistrate to obey his law and to enforce it. Mm-hmm. That's what's going on. Yep. And, and that, uh, that, that business of the law 
being uh, being still applicable, really, uh, we we sing it again and again when we start to sing the Psalms. Mm. It, it really is a whole different worldview. Yes, uh, moving from from contemporary chorus stuff to all of a sudden singing psalms. Mm-hmm. What a uh, what an amazing amazing content in these psalms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, the thing too is that like when we look at um, at uh, at Jesus sermon on the mount, right? Mm-hmm. He 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 doesn't sit there and say, well, you know it was said thou shalt not murder. Mm-hmm. But I say, thou shalt murder. No. <laughs> right? Jesus did not do that. No. What he did was he said, if you're angry with your neighbor in your heart, you've transgressed this law. Right? So we, we, have, we don't have Jesus setting aside the, the law. Right. He's fulfilling it. So we understand that in, in ceremonial and sacrificial ways regarding his own sacrifice on the cross. But we also, you know... The ten, the ten laws, yeah. the ten words. We we understand that we're not supposed to, you know, hate our neighbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he talks about uh, adultery, we're uh, not supposed to lust. Right. When he talks about covetousness, like being greedy for my neighbor's goods, right? So he is actually going to the heart of the matter yeah. on the law and saying you actually have to you have to be more righteous, not less. Right. So when you've got the modern antinomian evangelical. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we've basically been brought up thinking that we should be less, <clears throat> or thinking that the law or that obedience to the law is legalism. Is, yeah, and uh, no, we, we've trained ourselves in that, and in that's that sort of nonsense. Yeah, and that that is nonsense. It's just not <clears throat> in scripture. Yes. I yes. mean, well, it is. Legalism but... <laughs> is is uh, is causing people to uh, to act according to an unbiblical standard. Yeah. That's what legalism is. Yeah. That's tithing your mint, dill and cumin and neglecting the weightier matters of the law. Right. So we, we do, we do have legalism in the scriptures, but it's the Pharisees. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, in the new Testament, when, uh, Paul is talking about the stuff that gets sung in the churches, mm. uh, in Ephesians and in Colossians, and he has that list of, of Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs that you, O oh church, you're you're speaking to one another and teaching and admonishing one another mm-hmm. with these, with these, with things. these things, with yeah. these psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When he's talking about psalms, he's talking about the ones that are in your Bible. Yes, <clears throat> they're they're right in the middle of your Bible. So if you just open up your Bible to the middle, you're very likely to find the psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a and, lot of them. Yes. I want to I want to talk about one other thing with relation to how the Psalms came to be, ah. uh, because God didn't reveal the whole of Scripture all at once, mm-hmm. right? True. It was, uh, it was by a progression. Yes, it was by a progression. You know, Moses likely wrote a whole lot of the things down that cons- that now constitute Genesis, Exodus. Mm-hmm. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, Joshua was around uh, for a while. He he would have written. Mm-hmm. Uh, Samuel probably compiled the stuff that was in the Judges period. Um, but when it comes to the Psalms, uh, David talks about this quite often. 
uh, when he says that, uh, you know, like for instance in Psalm 1, mm-hmm. where he says that, uh, <clears throat> that he meditates on the law of God day and night. Mm-hmm. The one who meditates on the law of God day and night will be like a tree that, that uh, yeah. is planted by the waters. The ungodly are not so, they'll like the wicked, or they're like the chaff that the wind blows away. Um, but David came to that mm-hmm. by reflecting on what we now know as the law. Yeah. In fact, all of these psalms grew out of reflections on the law of God. Right. So there's a certain maturity, a certain... Yes. Like he's looking backward, creating a new thing. <clears throat> yes. But uh, if, if, we, if we in the new covenant take this, this idea of law and we say, oh, that's Old Testament. We don't deal with that now. Now we have Jesus. Now we have the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not just the Psalms that we reject. It's, it's all of the Old Testament scriptures that we're rejecting. Uh, yes. We don't do that as Christians. Right. That, that whole thing is the Word of God. And, yep. and so it's interesting to, to think about the development of the Psalms. Um, I, I remember uh, listening to James Jordan on how to, uh, how to read the Bible. And mm-hmm. in one of his lectures, he posited, uh, he posited looking at history this way. He said, when, when Genesis to Joshua was written, and you were living in the days of the judges, sometime in the days of the judges, that was your Bible. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was your whole Bible, okay? That was the whole thing. That was what God had revealed. And when when David started writing, David started writing these songs, these psalms that were reflections on the law of God. And then he wrote a whole bunch of them, and some people around him wrote psalms. And Proverbs came up with Solomon and the Song of Songs and Ecclesiastes and a whole number of those kind of things. Uh, there, was, there was probably a three or four hundred year, well, longer. Yeah. There was a substantial break in time between the earlier scripture and the scripture that now arose with David. So if you were living in the days of Rehoboam, you know, son of Solomon, you're living in his day, the Psalms, that was like the New Testament to you. That yes. was the New Testament. And the, the, uh, the law, that was the Old Testament. And the wisdom literature probably confused you because clearly Rehoboam hadn't read it. <laughs> yeah. So, so wisdom, wisdom literature came around, and it, that was like the New Testament. And it was, again, it was another, another 300 years after that before God started revealing things again in the scriptures. And so you get into the times of the prophets and Isaiah starts to write and Jeremiah uh, eventually writes and all all that whole time where there was three or 400 years where the prophets were speaking, that was like a new Testament. And now you had, now you had the old Testament was 
was David was and, David and yeah. and Moses and and then you get forward to the return <laughs> because a bunch of the literature in the Old Testament is from the return yeah right so you've got Ezra Nehemiah yeah. you got all that stuff right and then there's that long period that we remember of just darkness where God didn't speak mm-hmm. yeah uh, where the promised Messiah was going to come but. But there was no word. But there was no word. And there was no word for a long, long time. Yep. You know, if you think about 400 years. That's, as, that's a long time. Uh, in which there's no new word from God. Mm-hmm. You know, I've thought about that. I'm, I'm a Canadian and I've been yeah. uh, <clears throat> I'm many generations on both sides living in Canada. Uh, 400 years ago from now. Yeah, that would take us. The back. French were just starting to settle along the St. Lawrence River. Yeah, four hundred years ago from now, like Samuel like, de Champlain. Yeah, that long ago. That long ago. Yeah, would have been the last time God spoke to you Ooh, and terrible. to your people. So, oh, wow. that's what? a long time. Let me do some math on that. It's twenty twenty three. Yeah, minus four hundred. Yeah. So 1623. 1623, Samuel That's, de Champlain was around. Th- okay, this would have been two two years before the death of James the First. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a long time. <laughs> wow. Man, yeah. That's a long time. And so well, I mean if you're a King James onlyist. The King James Bible is about four hundred years old. Yeah. There you go. It came out. It's been it four hundred years since God has spoken. <laughs> it, it was yeah, it was published in sixteen eleven. <laughs> I'm making a King James joke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> some of you might get it. <laughs> some of you might be angry. So so anyway, so just <clears throat> you know, we we're we're talking about these psalms and about some of the content of these psalms. It is it is interesting and necessary to fit them into into God's revelation. Mm-hmm. Uh and to realize that God, uh, as he progressively reveals his will in, in the scriptures, and he did so with Moses, with the law, and he did so with David, with the Psalms, and he did so with the prophets, mm-hmm. uh, with their prophecies, and then he did so again in the New Covenant uh, that starts with the stories of Jesus and of what Jesus did, those Gospels. Mm-hmm. But then all the New Testament writings happened. Yeah, uh, and and we've now got what we regard as a closed canon, not an open canon. Mm-hmm. We're not expecting any more scripture to be written, um, <clears throat> but we've got uh, we've got the scriptures. But every time a new covenant comes around, it's not new as in the sense of oh, we've never seen this kind of thing before. It's right. not new like that. It's new. Because there's a different administration of the old, and all the old is folded into this new. Yeah. It's new as in we added another story to the building. Yeah. Not we tore the building down and started over. <clears throat> right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting to me, too, that the... Um, and Lachlan's a drummer. It's... <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, well. I mean, he's a good lad, but loud. Uh, the <laughs> it's interesting to me, too, that the, uh, the scriptures are are formed by God in this maturity kind of thing. Right. So you've got uh, Moses, uh, especially Leviticus, do this, don't do that. Yeah. Right. This is how we train our children. Yeah. Uh, Don't put your hand on the stove. Mm -hmm. Don't put rocks in your mouth. Uh, Listen to your mother. It's all with children. Mm. It's do this, don't do that. Yes. Don't hit your sister. Yeah. Don't hit your sister. 
young man. Yeah. But um, then you get to uh, poetry. Mm-hmm. We've, we've learned the grammar or the do this, don't do that right. in the law. We move from that grammar to poetic expression. Yeah. It's, it's glorified. It's, it's something a little bit more. Yeah, it's something it, a bit more mature. Yeah, just a bit more mature. Uh, God is a poet. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not just uh, an autodictat. He doesn't just tell us what to do. Right. He also um, he, he, he makes poetry in his world, but in his word, he's also speaking to us poetically. And then you go to the wisdom, the wisdom. Uh, reflections on uh, life, like Ecclesiastes, right? right? So mm-hmm. a very, it's a very sober book. Yeah. Uh, you've got the prophets, and they're referring back to and riffing off of all of this. Yes. And then you've got the maturity, the thing, Jesus himself. Yes. So the scriptures move almost like you do through your life. Yeah. Yeah, it goes from, from maturity, childhood, you're being told what to do. I. Uh, when you finally internalize all that stuff, uh, all that stuff that you were told to do, you internalize it. It becomes a part of your foundation. Well, then you you are are growing up. Maybe you're a young man, and now you're looking for a wife, and you're looking for a kingdom. And you and need poetry. And and, <laughs> and that's the time for it. You you take a wife, and now you've got this little kingdom of your own. And the, the kingly literature came yep. up then, the poetic. I mean, you, yeah. you write a poem for this girl. Yes, you and do. You- <laughs> and if you are wooing a woman and you do not write her some type of poem, are you even a serious suitor? <laughs> am, am I wrong? I mean, it, it might be terrible. It might even rhyme. There you go. Okay. So but you have so to at least give it the, a shot. Uh, the... The kingly period came along in Israel's history, mm-hmm. which was more mature than the childhood phase mm-hmm. where they were said, do this, don't do that. Yep. Now the king comes along and he he has to make decisions that the law doesn't tell him how to make that decision. Yeah. You know, Solomon has brought this baby and two women claimed the baby. Yeah. Well, what is he going to do? Well, he's going to get the chainsaw. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, did you find that in Leviticus? No, he didn't find that anywhere <laughs> like that. There was this is wisdom that God revealed to him, having already internalized what came before. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's that period. It's it's analogous in a man's life to being a young man, mm-hmm. where uh, you're a king now, and you are uh, you are called to lay down your life for this woman and for these children that that follow. Yeah. Um, but it's after you raise these children. These children, you know, in the psalm, it talks about how, you know, a man will not be ashamed when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Yes. Uh, that's, not, that's not because of the little babies he's got. It's because of the grown sons that he's got that, yes. are, that are backing him up. Okay, so now he's an older man, and the prophets are that older guy. Yep. Speaking prophets The prophets are a, are a more mature version mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, there's this progression that goes from child to man to old man. Mm-hmm. And then, then the New Testament finally comes along, and, it, and Jesus is the real mature yes. one. Yeah. Uh, he, he's the one mm-hmm. that all of the scriptures were pointing to, and he's the one that uh, perfectly embodies 
maturity. Yeah. So, and so, you're, so you're saying that the imprecatory prayers also speak of Jesus. Yes. I, I think they do. They okay. do. And I, I would agree with that. And, and, and <laughs> the thing is, is that you can't, I don't think you can become that mature man in Christ if you skip. Yeah. Yes. The important kingly literature phase yeah. of your spiritual growth. You, if you skip the imprecatory Psalms, yeah. you cannot become that mature prophet. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, frequently I've I've heard the church in Africa described as a mile wide and an inch deep. Mm. I think that's actually the church in North America yeah. because we've thrown out things like the imprecatory psalms. Mm-hmm. Oh, the if, psalms all together. Yeah, the psalms all together. <laughs> but yeah. if we really leaned into it and uh, and learned these things, mm-hmm. I think we would have so much more depth and richness and mm-hmm. maturity yes. in the North American church. If you want to grow up, oh Christian, mm-hmm. sing these. Yep. Sing these, learn to learn to sing these uh, these psalms, mm-hmm. uh, and when you run across things that that seem to bump up against your theology, check your theology. Check your theology. Yeah, these psalms are are God breathed, mm-hmm. and they are all about Jesus. Yeah, one of, one of the things too that I find very helpful is looking at them. Now, when, when analyzing them, not so much when singing them, but when analyzing them, mm-hmm. looking for ways in which this refers to Jesus or it's from the mouth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think one of the easiest examples is when Jesus is on the cross and he starts quoting Psalm 22. Yeah. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so you're supposed to understand yeah. that he's... He's quoting that not just because he's in physical pain, but because he is in anguish. Mm-hmm. But then you're supposed to know what the rest of the psalm yeah. is about. Yeah. And he's telling you that this psalm is what is happening right now. Yes. So when you go to Psalm 22, yeah. right, um, all of that. Yes, for dogs encompass me. Mm-hmm. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They mm-hmm. divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So it's but interesting. You, oh Lord, do not be far off. Yes, it's interesting that like the lot casting. Yeah, happened. Yeah, so there's all this stuff that was prophetic of what would happen with Jesus, but Jesus comes in and uh, on, on the cross he starts quoting Psalm 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't it happen that when he's on the cross, it got dark for three hours? Uh, yeah, yeah, it did. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't it say that? No. Um, <laughs> what are the last recorded word? What's the last recorded word of Christ on the cross? That It is finished? Uh, oh. It could be it is finished. It could be or was into it? your hand I commit my spirit. Uh, yes. You know where that comes in the, mm. in the Psalms? Because that's quoted from the Psalm. You know where it is? Where? Do tell, do tell. It's uh, Psalm 31, verse 4. Yeah. Like uh, how long does it take to, to quote from Psalm 22 to Psalm 31? Um, if I were to read it out loud, a few minutes, maybe five, six minutes. Uh, longer. You Probably think? a bit longer. Well, yeah, but but I, I've heard someone speculate, and this has really captured my imagination, that this is what Christ was talking on the cross, mm. was this whole section between 22 and 31. Right. Starting mm. with... Uh, and I... Yeah, I can yeah. see it. 
Yeah, it, it, it's a fascinating study to go through those psalms and to mm. and to picture that a picture Christ suffering on the cross and quoting this psalm mm-hmm. and see if you can start to understand it. I remember doing yes. that one time, and there was a there was so many points of connection in those psalms to the crucifixion, to the crucifixion, and and There's the very a bunch be- of them, and the very beginning of Psalm thirty two is blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Yeah. What? Well, what? No. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> what? <laughs> Coincidence. I think not. <laughs> so, and there's also uh, when when Jesus makes his triumphal entry seven days before, you've got right. Psalm 118. Mm-hmm. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and here, I'll just turn to Psalm 118 real quickly. I've got to get around Psalm 119 because that one's really... Yeah, you got to turn the corner on that. Okay, so Psalm 118. Uh, Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. Uh, this is the stone that the builders rejected, an oft-quoted verse. Yeah, talking about Jesus. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, this is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The the, the entire Psalter is, is yes. speaking of Jesus. Yes, there's a whole bunch of it. In fact, just about all of it is speaking of Him or of things that are connected to Him. Yeah. Uh, try this one on. I hmm. uh, not particularly about Jesus, but imagine these words coming from the mouth of Jesus, mm-hmm. talking about a particular disciple of his. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, how about this? <laughs> Be not silent, O God of my praise, for wicked and deceitful mouths are opened against me, speaking against me with lying words. They encircle me with words of hate and attack me without cause. In return for my love, they accuse me, but I give myself to prayer. So they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. Appoint a wicked man against him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him come forth guilty. Let his prayers be counted as sin. May his days be few. May another take his office. That was spoken in the early part of Acts. Acts chapter 1. About Judas. Yes. So what do we have here? May his children be fatherless and his wife... This whole psalm... Is Judas. Is Judas. Yes. (laughs) It's a deep reflection spoken as it were through the mouth of Christ about Judas mm-hmm. and put in the middle of the Psalter yes. for us, oh, Christians, to sing. Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, this is the psalm that the, uh, the apostles refer to yeah. when they're choosing another. When they're choosing another uh, mm. to replace to, the to fallen replace Judas. Judas. They use an imprecatory psalm. Yes, they, they do. do. As their justification for what they did. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, is deeply interesting to me. Yeah. Um, other, yeah. other places that are like that, where it's, uh, you think of Psalm 44. Right. Psalm 44, the Apostle Paul quotes this. Ah. Uh, <clears throat> when he's talking about his apostleship. Right. And he says, uh, you know, in this, in this psalm, 
Uh, you have made us like sheep for slaughter. You've scattered us among the nations. Yeah, that's, he's, um, that's in Romans 8. Yeah. yeah. And then he says, uh, all, all this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you, mm-hmm. it says in the psalm. Uh, if we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart, yet for your sake we are killed all day long. Mm-hmm. And we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? <laughs> yeah, rouse yourself, yeah. Have, have, you ever heard a, have you ever heard an evangelical scripture chorus that said that? No. <laughs> or no, anything like it? An- another, another Judas psalm is 41. 41, yeah. yes. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted yes. his heel against me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, uh, and that right there is from the mouth of Jesus. That's from his perspective. Yes. He's singing the psalm. Yes. Yeah, it, it's often struck me that uh, one of the best ways to consider the book of Psalms is to consider them as the songs of Jesus, mm-hmm. as Jesus being the chief singer. Um. <clears throat> I'm going to turn for a minute to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 9. I'm going to follow you there. (laughs) I'll find this. Uh, When Christ came into the world, he said, where is it? Got to use the analog version of yes, the Bible. Yes, I'm using the... Oh, chapter 10, that's where we are. Ah, right. Okay. <clears throat> Listen to this. Uh, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Mm-hmm. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, or the Christ, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Mm. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. So, Who who said this? Jesus. And when he came into the world. When he came into the world, he said, and then it says Psalm 40. Yeah, Psalm 40. It quotes from Psalm 40. (laughs) But it takes Psalm 40 and puts it in Jesus' mouth as though Jesus were the singer. So therefore he is. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> and that happens more than once in the New Testament, where mm-hmm. there's a there's a uh, passage that quotes the psalm, and it says Jesus said that. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just uh, kind of trying to think through the lines of how the imprecatory psalms point to Christ here right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the imprecatory prayers, we're praying for God's judgment upon His enemies. Um, now Christ, when He went on to the cross. His father forsook him. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The wrath of God was poured out upon him. Mm-hmm. So Christ becomes the object of our imprecatory prayers for the sake of us and for the sake of our enemies, at least the enemies who repent, okay. um, who otherwise the imprecations would fall upon. True. So, so okay. ultimately Christ becomes the object of our imprecatory prayers as he becomes sin who knew no sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Oh, that's interesting. I, I, I like this. That's an interesting way to approach it. Yeah. Where, <clears throat> huh. where Jesus takes upon himself these things that we're singing and praying in these psalms. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. I'd have to think that one out. Otherwise, otherwise, how could Paul have escaped the imprecations, right? Right. He should have been destroyed, yeah. but he wasn't destroyed because of Christ. Right. Because Christ took the imprecations that should have fallen on him. Yes. Uh, and he was regarded as a sheep to be slaughtered for your sake. Christ yeah. was regarded as a sheep to be slaughtered for his sake. Yeah. Right? Hmm. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Ah. That's why we have uh, Pastor Nate here. <laughs> That's why we keep this guy around. Yeah, we, hey, you guys can send me an email and refute that, but <laughs> it, it, any of you on, dear listeners. Put the refutation on Twitter and then block him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was blocked a couple times this week. Yeah, it happens. Mm. There's also a lot of good theology in, uh, in the Psalms. This yes, is another thing is. to consider, that when you, when you sing these things, this good theology gets right down into your bones. Yes, um, you know, yes. And when you, you know, we talked about this earlier, but it needs to be, it needs to be touched on again. When you sing the Psalms, mm-hmm. when, when the Psalms become the foundation of how you approach God in worship in song, mm-hmm. uh, it drills into you a maturity that wasn't there before. Right. Okay. It mm-hmm. causes you to grow, to become mature because it's teaching you. It's teaching you left, right, and center in the psalm. There, there aren't places in the psalms where, uh, where you're not being taught. Mm-hmm. You know, even when the psalmist is reflecting on his own life in, like, Psalm 139, right. when he's reflecting on his own life and God's n- intimate knowledge of him, and he's, he's delighting in that intimate knowledge of him, uh, he's... he's well, let me just mention a few of the different things mm-hmm. where he says, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. Uh, even before there's a word on my tongue, Lord, you know it all together. Uh, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to Sheol, you're there. If I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. If I say, the darkness shall cover me. Well, the darkness isn't dark to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you form my inward parts. You know, he's just marveling at God's making of him mm-hmm. and his keeping of him and his thoughts toward him. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. All of this stuff teaches us about God and, yes. and teaches us about his ways and who he is and, and what he's about. But I want you to consider this. That, that's an excellent psalm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have seen people who have covered that psalm and just left out oh. <laughs> verses 19 to 22. They left them out as though it's not there. Right. I want you to look at this and say, this is the psalmist's reaction. This mm-hmm. is the psalmist's faithful reaction. When he notes God's knowledge of him, listen. If I would count your thoughts to me, they're more in number than the sand. I awake, I'm still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God. Mm-hmm. O oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O oh Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Mm-hmm. 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Well, we like this verse. Oh, we do. Okay, we go back to this verse. There's a chorus about that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, if, if David... If David was just venting there at the end, mm-hmm. he wouldn't need to ask God to see if there be any any grievous way in me. Right. He would have just expressed it. Yep. But, but he, he looks at it and he says, "You know, I I I I love the Lord. Yep. I love the Lord. I hate those who hate my Lord. Yep. As is proper." As is proper. Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? He holds this up to God as as a, look how much I love you. Yep. See? Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting, too, because for the, for the most part of the psalm, mm-hmm. it's, a, um, it's a reflection on what we would call the doctrine of providence, right? Okay. God's intimate care. Yeah. You know, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, so like... The constitution of my being is something done by God very minutely, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, in minute detail. In minute detail, the Lord has has taken care of these things and watched over all of this. And then, oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh God. So yes. the doctrine of providence and the yep. providential care of God for his people is also tied up in his justice. Yes, you know, he, he's, he's marveling at the works that God has done, mm-hmm. and he's thinking about guys who don't marvel at the works that God has done, but rather who speak maliciously about him. Mm-hmm. Just get rid of these guys. <laughs> get rid of these guys. Yeah. <laughs> Let the whole earth be full of your glory, <clears throat> where everybody praises you. Yes. <laughs> I love this psalm. It's a good one. Yeah. There's so much good stuff in here. Yeah. There there's uh it teaches us how to how respond to, to to our reflections on who it is that God is and and all mm. the great things that he's done. A good Christian response would be to say, "Oh, how Lord, there's so many people who just don't acknowledge you. Would you please deal with them? Yes. Yeah. It's well, this is this is interesting too. Like Psalm 119 has has the same kind of sentiments. Mm-hmm. Uh, verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked yeah. who forsake your law. Yeah. And then he finishes off in verse 56, this blessing has fallen to me that I have kept your precepts. Yes. So and he's, he's constantly in Psalm 119 talking about the good the thing good that law. is the law. Yeah. And, and, and the Lord is good. Yes. And, and in that last one that you just quoted, that his, uh, mm-hmm. his uprightness is a gift from God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a gift from God. And uh, hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked. Mm-hmm. The cultivation of that uh, that virtue mm-hmm. is bound up in the singing of the psalms. Yeah, I mean David, even in this, he, he in verse fifty four, he says, "Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning." Mm-hmm. So David, David's singing this; mm-hmm. it is forming in him a hot indignation yeah. over things that the Lord mm-hmm. finds uh, worthy of such indignation. Yeah, yeah, you're becoming more Christ like. 
By singing the psalms. Indeed. And by singing the imprecatory psalms. Yes, all of them too. (laughs) Yeah, all of them. Uh, Psalm 119 is a marvelous and poetic thing. Well worth worth perusing and Mm -hmm. studying. Mm -hmm. Now, the the psalms are marvelous. And so we commend them to uh, not just your study, but to your singing. Yes, I think there's one more verse that we have to look at from the New Testament, hmm. just as a uh, New Testament indication that the imprecatory psalms continue to be prayed in the New Testament times. And that's Revelation 6, verse 10 to 11. Yes. Um, actually, 9 to 11. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they bore. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Hmm. And so there you very clearly see a repetition of that Old Testament imprecatory psalm or prayer Hmm. in Hmm. the mouths of those who know Jesus. Yes. Yeah, in the mouths of the New Testament martyrs. And they're not breaking the commandment, love those who persecute you. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Mm-hmm. It's it's in keeping with that. It's just a different angle. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. They're, uh, they're given a white robe, the white robe uh, that's a demonstration of, of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're told just a little longer. That white robe is a sign of their vindication that they truly are are godly men. Yeah. And, and in Christ. They're not told you're not supposed to uh, you're not supposed to cry out for God's judgment. The martyr is not told here, you know, shut up and stop asking God to judge. They're told, wait, just a little yeah. bit longer. Mm-hmm. Hold your horses. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it will come, just not quite yet. Yeah. So that that's another thing, uh, that spiritual patience is another thing to consider. Yeah. It's uh, it's the Lord's justice, and uh, well, praying imprecatory prayers I think is an expression of trust in God, mm-hmm. patience, knowing that even though the wicked are flourishing and and are destroying the righteous, yet God will judge them yet, even if it doesn't look like that will happen. Yeah, and it's not mm-hmm. my timeline. Like it's not yeah. it's not on my schedule. Yeah, it's on His. Yes. Yeah, there are all there are all kinds of. Uh, of things that that we can be when we're singing these psalms in these days when we're singing these psalms in these days there are all kinds of folk who are raised up against the knowledge of God mm-hmm. uh, there are all kinds of folk who are pushing upon the Christian church uh, trying to separate her from from the scriptures trying to to get them to turn from the Lord. There's all kinds of wickedness that goes on in the world. And when we sing these psalms, we are addressing things the way they really are. Yep. We're addressing things the way they really are, and we're doing it before the throne of God, and we are asking God to do something about it. And he likes being asked. Yes, he does. God, in his kindness, has given us the language to be able to address all kinds of evil. Mm-hmm. He's given us this language as a church. These are not just 
prayers to be prayed. Mm-hmm. These are songs to be sung, and they need to be internalized by you, O Christian, mm-hmm. because these will give you the backbone necessary to stand up against the evils that you have to face. Uh, the Psalms are really, really good for that. And so I would urge upon you, don't just pray these psalms. Do pray them. Mm-hmm. Don't just pray them. Learn how to sing them. And not just you by yourself in your house. Press it on your church that you need to sing psalms. Because mm-hmm. churches, you guys need to, be, to have the Psalter open so that you can sing them. You need to sing these songs, O oh church. You need to learn to. Put away your choruses. Put away your your uh, <clears throat> your thoughts about about uh, about just you worshiping God. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are songs to sing that God wants to put in your mouth. You need to open your mouth wide, and He will fill it. Yep. And uh, to quote from the uh, the last verse in Psalm one hundred seven. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Yes. <laughs> let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Whoever is wise. Whoever is wise. Oh, Lord, make your church to be wise. Mm-hmm. That she would leave off singing her own thoughts and that she would learn to sing the thoughts of the Lord Jesus. Consider these psalms as the songs of Jesus. That might really help you in terms of, of getting a grasp of how to approach mm-hmm. the psalms. So we really do commend to you the practice of singing the psalms together as a body. Learn to do so. There's all kinds of resources that you can use. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of the psalms have been put to music, music that you can read on a page, uh, and you can learn how to sing them. There's... A whole host of people operating in the world these days trying to figure out how to get these psalms deep into the hearts and bones of God's people. So what are some of those resources? Well, uh, I have a book here. What have you got? Uh, There's a book called Christ, uh, sorry, Christ's Psalms, Our Psalms, and that's by Peter Haltfluer. Okay. Oh, nice. Okay. There's there's also the, um, uh, what's the the Psalter that the... um, You've worked with... Theopolis? No, no, the Psalter. Oh, the, the Canadian Reformed yes, Psalter. that's the one. Yeah, the Book of Praise. Yeah, that, that's a good one. Uh, that is a really good one. Uh, you, can, you can get hard copies of that from Premier Press out of Winnipeg. The, uh, the Canadian Reformed Book of Praise has all the old tunes that John Calvin hired his musicians to write and to put the psalms into, mm-hmm. into these tunes so that the congregation could sing the psalms in their own language. Yeah. And they're rocking good tunes. Uh, many of them are. Oh, yeah. Some of them are rocking terrible. But, uh, <laughs> but there, there, are some, uh, there are some very, very good ones in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been working for years at, at retuning yep. that book. Mm-hmm. So I've got a whole bunch of psalms on... Uh, that are singable by a congregation that use the words from that Psalter. Right, and then four-chord adaptation. Yes. The Cantus Christi is a... Both uh, editions. Yeah, especially the new edition, though, has got all 150 psalms and several, uh, often more than one copy of each psalm. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's another, another hymn book that just, or a psalm book that just came out at the same time. Michael Owen produced it. I'm trying to remember its name. Okay. 
Uh, but it's just as thick as the Cantus, and it's got mm. it's got a whole bunch of the ones that didn't actually make it into the Cantus. Oh. So there's lots and lots of psalm versions that you, that are singable. Yep. Um, the Theopolis people, look up Theopolis online. Yep. Uh, they have a Psalter project where they are learning how to chant each of the psalms. Yep. Uh, when you when you work at chant. You know, it's even, a bit weird. Well, it, it sounds a bit weird to start with, but I tell you, yep. even if you don't have a musical background, it is not hard to do those. That is one thing about a it's chant. It's simple. Is typically you'll have one note for the whole line until the end. Yeah. Or at okay. least in, yeah. So, so, so there are, that's, I don't think that one is out in print yet, but I know that there are some versions of it out online. Yeah, there's actually that, quite a bit on Theopolis's. Mm-hmm. Uh, web page about yeah. that. So and that would be a great resource. Yeah. Another one is uh, Brian Sauvé. He's got a yeah. bunch. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a bunch. I can name a couple that I listen to on YouTube sometimes while I'm writing sermons. Right. That would be uh, Sons of Korah. Right. They do a whole bunch yeah. of psalms. Yeah. And I, I enjoy a lot of their renditions. Yep. Um, My Soul Among the Lions. That's another I think that That's was written one. for church singing. Yep. Um, and then there's uh, Brother Down, which is like very peppy, upbeat. Uh, guitar version of the Genevan tunes, right. brother mm. down. I yeah. think there's another band called brother down. So this would be the Genevan tunes, brother down. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there, there are plenty of resources. Yes. So, uh, there's no excuse. Yes. No, no, yeah, no good excuse. Chop, chop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's get to it. Hop to it and sing those Psalms. So it's been a delight to talk to you about the, uh, about the Psalms, about the various different things that, uh, that we meet there. Uh, may you find a great delight in this practice, mm-hmm. and may your church also find a great delight in this practice. We look forward to the day when we lay aside our our childish, our infantile notions of music and start again taking up the Word of God and singing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, may your church be blessed in this way, and we pray that this will happen uh, as part of the the uh, Reformation and part of the uh, the revival that we are hoping for. Mm-hmm. This looks to me like the music that will accompany it. Amen. So, Amen. blessings to you all. <laughs>